G'day, it's the coach here. I hope you are ready to pay your taxes. It is the bone tide. James Tindale, my guest, is here to reap the bones. Uh, stay away from my kneecaps. I do need them. Um, James Tindale's brought to you by, I guess you, you came like fifth at Facehammer GT, which is one of the, I mean, one, I've, I wanted you on this channel for a while now, but two, I've been looking to talk OBR and you did really well recently at a tournament. And I thought, what a great way to understand how OBR is standing in the meta right now. And what have you learned in third edition? You know, the last video I did, someone called me out. They're like, oh, when are you doing an OBR video? I'm like, man, I did it like a couple of months ago. And it was like January and it was a Staliac Lord horsey build. And I haven't okay. talked about more tech guard for such a long time, but I'm going to shut up and let me introduce you, James. Um, who you can see on Just Play, he does a lot of battle reports and um, generally a, a very good, talented player. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on. I watch your videos as part of my weekly you know, AOS, as everyone does, digest. So it's nice to finally be on. So thank you for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. It's someone that I've wanted on the channel for a while now. And it's hard. There's so many great people out there, all want to talk in armies. And uh, Time Zone has been friendly to me right now. We are talking OBR, and I mentioned earlier the purpose of this show is to talk about third edition, just like f f first observations and what we've learned so far and what what's good in OBR, what's not good in OBR. Obviously, um, as the meta settles and shifts and new armies come out, this was going to change all the time, but I really want to tap into what James is thinking about and see, you know, where he stands with so many, so many things going on right now. There's been so many changes, but... To kind of kick us off, how have you found third edition? Like just maybe very high level as a, and then we'll kind of get into the detail. Um, I, lo I love third edition. I think it's a challenge on players, on us, to play not quicker, but be manage our resource well in terms of battle tactics, grand strategy, you know, that kind of stuff when we're doing our um, command abilities that we deploy, stuff like that. Uh, for us to involve that, because round times haven't changed, right? I don't know how it is in, in Australia, well. but here we still... We still have three-hour times, but we've added more into the game. So it's like, okay, so now you need to include that in your army. So you two very, I think with third edition, more so than second edition, it's on players to bring an army they believe they can finish a game with. You know, you can't go on the days of 200 models, horde armies, right? Because of the way reinforce works. So like, you owe it to your opponent to bring a list you can finish a game in three hours, knowing the additional stuff you now need to do. Um, so I think that's been the biggest change for me because when I write lists, I'm like, oh... You know, but the, the turns take too long, too many combats. Am I really going to get it done? So I think now there's a minutiae in writing lists where it's like, I can get, I can play this within three hours, but it's also as competitive as I want it to be. So I think that's a really good balance. And maybe an interesting thing that I think I've seen players struggle with, um, I only get into turn three, you know, in, the, in their event games. So that's been a really interesting take. And I think the other thing about third edition for me is the access to not... I mean, there's more interaction between players, but there's more thought going into your next turn. Like I always used to think two or three turns ahead, right? When I played a game, like when I won the when I won the grand finals, I was always thinking about turn three, turn four, when I was in turn one. Um, now, with players have to think about the battle tactics next turn. You know, what am I going to do next turn? What am I setting up for? You know, broken ranks, say the wall, or whatever it is. Um, Savage spearhead. You know, um, and I think that's that's a nice third edition element that's come to players that perhaps weren't thinking that way before you know they're just thinking about their turn you know doing what they want in their turn now it's sort of teaching that behavior if that's the right term to sort of play into your next turn and set your next turn up 
And like, you know, a bit like a, a snooker or a pull shot, right? I'm hitting the ball in, but I want to make sure that the spin or the comeback is the same. So I, my next shot is just as successful. And I think that's something AOS 3 does that um, is new to all of us. I think it's the first snooker reference I've ever had on this channel. Very English of you. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. everyone, everyone's all enjoying their warm beer and their mushy peas um, and, you know, all the, all the things great about England. But, you, you know, you're, you're right. It's actually interesting. I was going to mention. Um, so I've been in lockdown. People who, who follow the channel know that I've been locked down now. It's like, you know, mil, week a million at this point. Um, but my very first <laughs> event has actually just gone up. So, you know, they're expecting us to go back into normality mid-October. And in early November, there's already like a one-dayer at my local, um, my local, one of my local stores. And I bought my ticket. They sent out the players pack last night and they've gone two hours for for the game. It's a 2K game, 2K, three rounds. Two hours and total like, time. Yeah. And I'm like, I emailed them this morning. I'm like, yeah, you might need some more time. One, none of us have played real life Sigma really other than like with our wives or our dogs or whatever. But like two, and like it's, it's been such a long time. But two, that you're right. There's so much more complexity. Uh, you know, there'd be times where you'd be at a, a tournament and, you know, like you'd get double turned or, you know, someone has a really long hero face. You could play with your phone. You could go to the bar, go to the bathroom, you know, take mm. some photos and just mess around. Now that that's gone because you're so interactive at the hero phase, the movement, the combat. Like there'd be times where I would say to my opponent, look, I trust you, move your things. I'm going to go to the toilet. Now I want to redeploy. So so there's a lot more interactivity, um, and I love it. Well, one of the things I always think is interesting is if you say to yourself, choosing a battle tactic and deciding on it takes, let's say it takes three minutes a turn, yeah? That's 15 minutes each, five each. That's half an hour of the game that we had before is now just on battle tactic selection, mm. you know? So you have to think about just, it's very small and not, you don't always need three minutes, but... Just little things like that, right? And that's before I redeploy my 60 zombies, right? So that takes me a few minutes to move and do other things. Um, before, we'll get to it later, but redeploy is the bane of OBR. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting to see how people react and people do because we all wanted more complexity. We all wanted new rules, right? Yeah. We got them. And it's how do we respond to that? Because some players and some armies, and if you're playing Nurgle, Playbearer, the Swamp, that's that's a long term, you know, and there's a lot going on there. So it's like people will adjust, I think, because if you can't finish games, we might see penalties coming to tournaments now where it's like you're not finishing five turns every single round. So and that's sort of behind in second edition. So I think it's an interesting new development from AOS 3. We're going to have to get We're going to definitely get faster at battle tactics, especially as battle tomes start bringing in additional battle tactics as well. So now not only will you have like the core or your right, general's yeah. handbook, whatever the battle pack, but now you'll have one, two or many from your battle tome or white dwarf as well. So, um, but overall I, I, I agree with you and I want to get into OBR. So um, how have you found third edition to OBR? Because I haven't seen uh, a lot of people talking about it. And I'm curious, and then like the only thing I really saw is obviously what you would expect, which is just whinging about not being able to access the new command abilities. And we'll kind of dig into all of the details of third, but just generally, how have you found OBR um, and what third's offering you? Um, so I think, you know, in regards to new command abilities, they are, they are really cool. I know a lot of armies use them, but you have to remember that Bone Reapers, they have stronger command abilities in their book built in. Um, to offset this, right? Like reroll saves and more tech guard is huge, right? Like you wouldn't find that in the game. 
But we get this because we can't redeploy, because we can't re-roll charges. You know, there's um when you're a bone reaper player, you have to remember, okay, we have strength, but it's in our book. We and we don't get additional added strength because at that point, you know, if you had the Mortec guard, uh let's say I could re-roll my charges and they become way more reliable, way more potent on that extra additional move, their points probably need to be looked at, right? So it's like, yes and no, like it, you know, haves and have-nots, but we have great strength in the book. Internal balance from OBR, I think, is really strong. I found them really fun to play. Um, your army doesn't die. It's very durable. You don't get all-out defense, of course, but you still have great access to, like, even Petrifex Elite with the FAQ, ignore one point of rent. It's really, really strong, uh, both in shooting, because uh, in the UK, we we have a shooting match at the moment, so it's quite um, quite strong there. I mean, Lumineth, Sentinels, it doesn't help with them, but, um, but for the Are most part... Are you expecting part, a lot from Cruel Boys? <laughs> oh, I hope so. Um, I hope, hope to see the... Um, probably see Big Yellas, lots of bows, you know, I imagine. Um, unless, and I think maybe... The, you know, the real filth, if you will, will come in the big war, you know, with lots of mixed shooting from, and, and then you've got some brutes or some hard boys or something, some combat element that maybe the cool boys don't don't have. Um, mm. But they have really cool monsters. So yeah, I'm a little, you know, a little bit scared of them, you know, all the guys on the hill, my war tech slowly move forward, just getting mortared off. But but you've got to harvest them, you can regen, there's ways to play, right? They, they, they can only do so much. And one thing about cool boys um, it's when we tested them, like a lot, of, a lot of the games, they were just on the hill, right? They were shooting, they were killing, but they're not on the objectives. They can't get mid-board. You know, the little hobcrots don't last long when they get into a fight, you know? So you have to find ways to score as a cool boys player. Um, your kill points will always be high, but if you're mm. not scoring, you know, I'll happily stand because now that we've moved to a place of battle tactics, again, AOS 3, I'm not really bothered if you shoot my army off if I'm stood on the objectives. If I, you know, I'll win on, on objectives, so... Um, I, I, but I'm really interested to see how the, the new war, the Oracle Clans book does. Because um, OPR, I think we're happy to fight Iron Jaws. Iron Jaws are very strong in combat, but we're quite happy to fight that fight. Um, Bone Splitters, I'm not too worried about. You know, six up save. Um, you do have the big war with the ward. But for the most part, I think OPR come out quite well against it, against, against the Oracle Clans. Um, Stormcast, probably a different story. Um, but. Well, yeah, I, will, I, will, I, I do want to talk about the meta soon, and I, I do want to. I, I want to get the OBR first, and then get into the meta because you know we we were having a quick chat before we went online. But there's some really interesting stuff in the meta, whether it's the hero hammer side of having Archeon uh, or Archeon, depending on which side of the world you want to be on. You know, Marathi, and you know all of the superheroes are out there. Then you've got things like you know all the shooting, as you mentioned, whether it's bow snakes, whether it's the the cruel boy yellow, you know the the, the big big shooting guys there's gonna be a whole you know lumineth there's a whole bunch of shooting out there and then you've also got uh what we're, we're worried about which is going to be the dragon meta of you know eight or or maybe 12 <laughs> dragons 13 dragons and and maybe the mortal wound and i was thinking about obr and where you stand and you know you've got a lot of mortal wound you know durability so I do want to ask you about the meta, you know, very shortly, but just in regards to 3E, right, you know, we've had changes to coherency. We've had changes to the table size. We've had changes. Mm. You've mentioned battle tactics as well, and I think we've got to get really smart on, one, how we use battle tactics, but, two, having lists that allow us to score battle tactics and try to avoid giving away points, whether it's through avoiding monsters or whether it's being able to deny our opponent a particular battle tactic. But... Coherency, has that been an issue for you for, for OBR? No, I think it's one of the things you worry about less in OBR because you take in 
most of your units are like in five death riders or you know solo units maybe you're taking two more gas three stalkers so you're not worried about that um the water guard obviously have to adhere to it you are definitely going to take a 20 maybe if you can a 30 if you want to um so yeah i mean but because they're on 25 mils it's not really a problem and because of the harvester he's usually yeah. babysitting them you can correct your coherency even if you even if you want to if you if you replenish so um, you obviously, no. you obviously can't do forty mortec guard though. Like, I guess that's a no, that that's a bit a of a weird one, right? Day. That would, yeah, yeah, like that. Would, I remember the output of a forty mortec guard. You know, harvester at the back, bringing back bodies on what is it a four up? Um, very powerful, but I guess you can't do the forty block anymore. Does that change how you think about your mortec guard? Um, I used to run forty. I used to put them central ward, um, and nothing could touch you. And really, you had a harvester, but you only needed it for the first two turns as like a delivery mechanic. Once they arrived and they're on the objective, you can't get through them because you can't engage them and I'm already scoring. This one, I think, yeah, it does affect you a little bit, I think, because 20s can be brute forced. If you, if you really went after it, like if you sent four megas in, you know, um, you could go after them, harvester or not. Um, you've only got so many wounds in the unit. The... Keeping them alive is important, I think, like putting them in the right spots, the right combats, because the 20 more tech and the, the 10 that I ran, so the 10 are always a good target for, for your opponent to hit broken ranks on. So you have to keep, okay, well, I want to keep them semi-safe, but they are going to hit broken ranks at some point, and they are going to come after the 10 um, at some point, so I need to make sure that's okay, because people don't tend to bother with the Death Riders, even though they are battle line. Um because they tend to be on a flank, you know, off, off doing something mm. else. So they tend to come up with a little 10 more set guard for broken ranks. So, yeah, I mean, it does. It, I, you know, I would like to have more, you know, but you have to think like 30 is the maximum you can have and those points best spent in one blob because you are not, not that mobile with, with OBR. So, yeah, I think coherency, I think coherency is fine for OBR, one of the armies that suffers from it at least. Um Obviously, if you're running a Mortet blob, you're quite, usually quite huddled together with a harvester anyway, so you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, and all, you don't all, really all your other screen. stuff, like all your, your, your Morgasts and your, is it your, your Immortals, whatever the other you know, six-armed dudes, like all of those all of those models are usually... <laughs> you're not taking them in big blocks of like... Uh, I mean, sometimes occasionally you see them in sixes, but usually you used to see them in a lot of threes or with your Morgasts, you'd have them as two, so it didn't quite seem to be... It's, yeah, it's not. It's not like Skaven, where you know the people you would run nine storm friends. You know, you you don't have that issue. Yeah, the only thing I would say that coherency does have that is on the ten, because normally you'd like that ten to be a little screen, you know, mm. or just just stuck in a line in front of your army. Now I can't do that. Of course, I have to be two ranks or a smaller, the smaller little block, so you you can protect less. Um, but they still. They still, you know, of course you have to have battle-like requirements, but they still do quite well with 10, I think. Um, so, no, but coherency, I think, has been quite solid for OBR. It's, it's one of the strengths where you are a small amount of models. So you're quite, you're quite into it, you know, you're not, you're not worried. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, 100%. I didn't think it would be too much, but I thought it might be with with the challenges of maybe the Mortec Guard going down to 30. And, and we'll go into your list. And by the way, for anyone who hasn't seen this type of discussion before, I'll go through one of James's lists. And it's not to say this is the the, the list to rule them all. Uh, if you love your murder ponies and James doesn't have any murder, murder ponies, then we're not saying it's bad. It's just that it's not fitting his current list or for whatever reason, you do you. Run Special K, run, run. I'm not, don't ruin Christmas. They don't know this yet. 
But like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like if, if, if you want to run Nagash in Special K and like you want to run Null Myriad, like go do your thing. Go do your Null Myriad thing. Um, but, but one other change that was really big that I wanted to call out, and it might actually, maybe it works in your favor, is the, the table has shrunk. It's shrunk mm. quite significantly. And you've already said OBR is slow, especially because you can't do the run. Um, you know, you can't, there's a, well, you can't use the run CP and all that, that kind of stuff. Um, how have you found that? Has it been like beneficial for your catapults? Have you found it um, easier because you're not spreading out your force nearly as much? Like, what's no, it easier, to? definitely easier. Um, you have a good option now, OBR. If you deploy on the line, let's say they deploy on their line, you're both 11 on, there's 18 inches between. I have a much better chance with the Morgas, with the Death Riders, to make a turn one charge if I want to. You know, um, before they would have been just three inches back, which is enough to shut the charge off. So, yeah, it's definitely a plus because if you can use your Relentless Discipline to get um, the plus three move, I forget the name of the, the advance, but um, the um, you can really have a better chance of charging turn one if you want to. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely helps. Like whenever you're whenever you're not a mobile army and people make the board smaller, you're all for it. Um, I think yeah, I think it's really helped um, because I think before, in my honest opinion, I think the boards were too big. Um, I prefer smaller boards. I prefer engaging games. Uh, you know, I didn't like before when something was way out on the left flank and you think, oh, they're never going to get back in a turn or two, so they're out the game now. Um, you know, um, and I think the boards need to be smaller with burning objectives, with the removal of objectives. If you look at the GER battle pack, um, it would suck if you were at far left on the old six by four and an object was taken away and you were like, oh, that unit's out of the game now. It's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but I much prefer it. Um, I don't know what chat thinks, but I prefer smaller boards. So OBR in that sense, big winners, big, big winners. And yeah, it's interesting because with smaller boards comes less objectives, right? And I think that's probably one of the first things that I noticed was the fact that um, there is no like scorched earth that requires eight objectives, which means I don't have to have a whole bunch of like units that are going to hold four objectives at home and then try to like send out my force to secure another four. And even if I did, the way that objectives are now scoring, you don't you don't gain a whole bunch because in the past you'd go like. I hold four objectives, so I get like four sets of points. But now it's just one, two, or more. So holding yeah. objectives is less valuable, still valuable, just a little less, um, as long as you're scoring your battle tactics and also not giving away things for like um, having monsters. Like, when, you know, obviously right now in the in the battle pack, you give away one victory point for every monster you, you, that you lose. Um, so I think it's kind of worked in your favor um yeah and definitely why, why and trek can... is probably kind of kind of like on on the rise because he's slow <laughs> but you can get into combat early well when he gets there he, he's, everything's dead right like it's just once like, he's, there, just like, he's there just like special k yeah <laughs> um but yeah i think that's one of the things so the studio team did a great job of creating agency with the player to go and attack over objectives, you know, like you say, they're only worth one now. You know, your home objective used to be worth four to your opponents, so you had to stay back mm. and guard it. And maybe that was a negative, not negative, not negative feel, but there's no reason for you to advance. You're like, if this is worth four, if I just defend this and nick the middle ones, I'll win. Now it's like, okay, primaries are worth one. You know, most missions try and encourage you to get up and go, you know, go and have a, a fight or, or, or a game. Um, I think that's a really positive thing about third edition. Everybody seems to respond really well to it, but. It's great for OBR because previously I don't want to stay back and defend a four-point objective, right? 
because with OBR mm. so slow, now I advancing, which is what I want to do, of course. I want to get mid-board from a cert. It's like now I don't lose anything for that. If, my, if I get my home objective, I lose one point, but I gain that back as I move towards their objective, right? So that's been a really big win for us. Um, no longer having to guard that four-point home objective in case you lose it, like Battle for the Pass, or, you know, um, maybe the Veins of Gur is, is, is difficult because it's worth more later, so you're kind of at the mercy of where they land. But for the most part, you can plan for that. Um, and, yeah, I think it's really been a really big win, those changes to objective scoring for, for OBR, because they do battle tactics really well. They do grand mm. strategies really well. Like, try and get hold the line off me when I've got 30 more seconds of two harvesters, right? It's just not going to happen. So, you know, OBR players can build their lists any way they want around grand strategies in a really positive way, I think. And that before, I think that was one of the weaknesses of the army. You know, you baited OBR out, they had to come to you. When they did, you, you go around or you deep strike or you teleport, however you want to do it. And you, you stretch them too. Yeah. The large, the large border size. Yeah, like, you know, like I remember... You know, you you chuck the, the the bone tithe nexus in the middle, or you try to put it where you wanted. I would try to go a, around you as much as possible, especially if there's a flyer. But now, one, I think what I've learned very quickly is the auras of um of my command abilities or my terrain is much more generous now because of the smaller board. Um, yeah. But two, it's harder to avoid these things. So when you have that aura like that minus one to hit um, from the bone tithe nexus. It's a, it's a lot harder. Um, you, you can get <laughs> well, smashed you to rubble. Yeah, I mean... I, I can never do it. I tried. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool because before, like you say, nobody was holding with an 18. You know, they could always edge out and stay away. If I put it in the middle now and you want to come mm. anywhere near these objectives, you are going to be holding with an 18. So it's actually really positive. Um, I mean, you can't... It has to be in your deployment zone now, but you put it on the edge, you can normally have a really good coverage. That was my next question. I was going to ask you one of the other big changes that probably has negatively impacted you was that the way that you deploy your terrain has changed. Mm -hmm. So no longer can you put that that bone type nexus in the middle and then try to you know affect the board. You've now got to put it in your zone. How are you how are you finding that, and how has that changed maybe either your strategy or even just like you know how do you play with the bone type nexus? Painful. I think. Um... I, some games I weigh up if it's even worth putting it on, you know, because you only get in some you get really small deployments, and the base where your terrain is, you can only you can only replace terrain if it's not possible to put it down. So normally you have like one or two options where you can put it, so you can't really replace terrain. So I'm like, do I really want it there? Because I've got nowhere to put my army, you know. I've only got a small amount of deployment. So yeah, it's been actually it's been hard, you know, with the eleven inch deployments. You know, but getting back to smaller boards, it's been really hard to put it down um, in some games. And then because it's like really only doing a mortal wound on a two up for most turns, unless they come into range, because you know some are like right in the corner deployments, you know the L shaped ones. Um, you think, am I actually going to get anything out of this? You know, um, one of the things I do sometimes consider is if you do deploy it in the insert them, I put my mortal guard on it. So they get cover safe, you know, mm. actually additional point of save. Um, but that's really it. You know, I found it, I found it really difficult to be honest, really difficult. Um, some of the half and half split boards, you know, it's a lot easier, of course. But yeah, some of the deployment maps are really tough. And because it's huge, you know, like no, I know it's, it's a massive big, piece. It's it's not it's, it's not like your flesh eater quartz so or you have that little tiny <laughs> thing you pop down and like you know put it wherever you want. It's interesting because it was such a it was such an interesting but also important piece to your army in the past. 
um, you know, and, and being able to cause, you know, impact to my spell casting or, you know, to hit auras. I can't remember. There was like four of them. It was only really two that I ever saw. Uh, I, I put three. But yeah, but I used to, I used to use the block, right? You put it in the middle and your opponent has to go right around it or they struggle to get through it. You know, they can maybe get around the side a little bit on the steps. But yeah, I used to use it to block all the time, you know, in the middle of the board. Um, and yeah, it was doing, obviously it was negative to cast. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really good um, for, the, for, for that. Now it doesn't do that. So it's like yeah, a bit difficult, I think. I think that's one of the so negatives. You're not, you know, you're not relying nearly as much as what you used to. And I'm hearing that sometimes you say, I leave it sometimes where you, wow, wow. What a fall from like, grace from the bone tithe nexus. I know. Well, I'm like, well, I've got nowhere to put it. The only place I can put it is where I'm going to put my army. So I can't put it there. And I'm like, well, what do I do? And I just, I just have to leave it. That's the way it goes, you know? Um, we're, not, we're not every game, you know, and we're talking three or four deployment maps, really, but it does hurt in those ones. Like, it really does hurt. Um, the 50-50 ones, it's still really good. Put it in the middle. You know, it's still affecting the game for five turns. Um, but I would say that's probably one of, you know, we've, we've gained a lot, but that's probably one of the things yeah. that's taken a bigger hit. And, and I probably would not be shocked to see that terrain piece and what it does revisited whenever they get their next turn. You know, like, because I think oh. right now it seems a bit out of place. Or, or or maybe maybe they they get a bit more lenient with deployment. I think uh, in sometimes it's a bit too restrictive, and maybe your you know I, I I don't know I don't know. I feel like your territory, especially for such a big piece, might be a bit hard. Because um, obviously small, I, I, you... I, I want you to put I want you to put it on the board. Like I really want you to put it on the board, yeah. and I, I, I don't I like the idea I want of it on you. The board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think I've always thought it should be in the middle because in the law. People bring bones and put it on it, don't they? They pay the toll, you know, they, they put the pay the tire if they put the bones down. So I always think it should be in the middle, buffing the OBR army. You know, they should be getting buffs from it. Of course you would say that. Debuffing. Of course you but would rather say. Rather than debuffing. So take the debuffs off it and just give me like some buffs that are all once per game. You get five and you pick them in the turns, right? I think that'd be quite cool. A bit like the Fire Slayer's runes, you know, when they do their runes. Um, but anyway, that's wish listing. So that's, but either way, at the moment, it doesn't really. Um, come into play too much on some maps but on other maps it's still really cool um i got one more thing to ask you about the bone tide though um yeah. and it was my favorite piece of terrain to destroy as a sun's a sun's player but <laughs> yeah. now everyone can know now everyone can destroy you know, it. Everyone can it. now so i guess has that happened to you very often and uh, now that i'm hearing that it's not as impactful as it used to be I guess because it's not in the middle of the board, it's a lot harder to to get to. And to be honest with you, out of the four monstrous rampages, it's the one that I use the least. I want a raw, I want a stomp, I want a titanic duel. Smash to rubble yeah. is so nobody really smashes it to rubble because they know because it's a new deployment zone. Once they arrive, they're normally on your objective, and they put, and like you say, they prefer to stomp or raw on whatever um, unit they can. Because my um... My Mortec are in the Heartlands, so they usually get stomped um, mm. on like, a unit next to them, like a hero or something else, you know, because you can't touch them with the, the Monster Rampage. So, yeah, it's normally that, really. They don't, no one ever really destroys it. It just sits there. Uh, I had it destroyed once. I had it destroyed once, um, but that's about it. I think in, in second edition, I destroyed it at least five times. It was some of my favorite. <laughs> I almost bought one just to smash it and make it into rubble so I could replace it. That was how often I, love I was that. smashing like, it. I was just, Here's, here's what I made earlier. <laughs> close. So close. But I'll give you a know, shout out to like my mate, Chris Welfare, who like just like literally flipped it over on the side. Like, yep, yeah, you destroyed it. I'm like, cheers. <laughs> um, but like with, like with, there's, because there's so much that's changed, right? Like, you know, when I was thinking about OBR, I'm thinking about, 
the hero hammer meta, you know, whether it's, you know, the the, super, the superheroes, you know, the the Nagashas, the Archaeons, the Marathis, the, 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 the Treks of the world. How How is Nagash and even Catacross, how are they fitting into the meta right now? Um, so I think we start with Nagash. Um, it's obviously great in OBR. You know, the healing in OBR compared to Grave Lords is, is way better. You know, he gets a flat three heal. He's got better access to healing spells. Um, and even Harvesters can heal him, right? Technically, um, if he's within range. So he's got a lot of access to better healing than Grave Lords. Um, if he goes into a, a host like Petrofix, he's ignoring one point of rend, makes him super tanky. Uh, obviously, he can cast Mystic Shield on himself as well. So he's on a two up, ignoring round one, um, rerolling ones, risk command ability. I mean, he is insane. And I know uh, Mr. Owen Jackson, the lovely Owen Jackson, has been playing him relentlessly and loves him and swears by him um, and sleeps next to his pillow. So, um, but I think the Gash is a big element of OBR. And I think he's a real conversational piece when you come to write your list. Am I running a Nagash list or am I not? You know, um, and if you are running Nagash, the then he has to do a lot in that list. So you're probably building support pieces around him. Whereas if you're not, obviously you're going for a more balanced style. Catacross, I think, suffers the most. Um, I think before you could have argued he was great. He was brilliant. Now... He's a 400 to 500 point piece that's like giving you plus one attack, but you can get that anyway um, from the liege. Um, so it's really giving you plus one save, but only if you're in his host, you know? Mm. Um, and now with um, you know, all these uh, godlike heroes running around, Catacross doesn't really do all that. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't really see much place for Catacross, to be honest. Um, I think, why would you not just run a liege? and some other small heroes and get the same benefits, but on multiple different characters. Because um, he is such a huge point sink. Um, yeah. And he, and an opponent's just ignoring him. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't cast. He can't run and charge. Like, he doesn't he's a great army. support piece. Like, he's a great support mm. piece. Like, he feels like the jack of all trades, but he's master of none. You know, 20 wounds. He does a whole bunch of really cool stuff, but he's never he's not like the super caster. He's not the combat monster. He packs a punch, don't get me wrong, mm. but it's not like he has his one particular role. And it kind of worked when Petrofix Elite wasn't being used very often. And I, I want to get your Legion's um thoughts in a minute. But you know, like when when Petrofix Elite got changed. Everyone went into like Mortis Praetorian or into Staliac Lords. It seemed to be the two most popular builds. Mm -hmm. um, Catacross really kind of came into his own. I, I didn't see Catacross very often in the, the Petrofix build. Now he kind of got, you know, really supercharged. But now mm -hmm. what you're saying, what you're feeling right now is that it maybe it's time for him to maybe go on holidays for a little bit and maybe <laughs> tap into some of the other into some of the other heroes, or maybe it's it's Nagy back. Well, I think that's that's a really good point, isn't it? It's like when you look back, it was really the Petrofix Elite nerf that accelerated his rise to prominence, if you will, because when you're an OBR player, you're just looking for more durability. And Petrofix was plus one save for the entire host. Now we're back to minus one point of rent, which in OS3 is actually really good. Um, and he came in with his host because he gave everybody plus one save from his command ability. So, yeah, um, I think he, he was always good. Don't get me wrong, like he's always been good. Um, he's not a bad piece by any means and a fantastic model. Like I'm really pro diorama, so I really like him. Um, but I think looking at AOS3 now, uh, and seeing the points that he is and how he plays, um, you're probably opting for two or three more different support pieces to be in more, more places. Um, so yeah, I think he's probably taking a break for now. Maybe we'll see him again later. Um, a little bit like when he lost the Arkham. Um, 
in the in the in the broken realms. So he's probably just getting rebuilt. That's, that's how I like to think about it. He's taking a break. <laughs> he's taking a break and let um he let um he's getting uh, rebuilt, isn't he? So Petrofix is back. Arkane the Black. Arkane the Black can take over for a mm. little bit. Yeah. He was all technically I think Arkane has always been the boss, hasn't he? But Catacros is still his legion. So it's a weird, it's a weird little relationship they have. He's a mini he's a mini Nagash. I was actually reading Arkane's yeah. law the other day, going back to Warhammer Fantasy, and we won't mention the word Tomb Kings around here, um, which was fascinating. But I, I mentioned I, yeah, yep, they're not they're not along with us, they're certainly not around. <laughs> um, but with with the legions, you know, we kind of like danced around this a little bit, right? You know, we had Petrofix Elite was really popular with the the first book or the first iteration of the book. Then it kind of got changed, and then we kind of went to this, you know, Staliac Lord um, and Mortis Praetorian build. I mm -hmm. haven't seen a Null Myriad build yet. I haven't really seen a lot of the Crematorian. I guess I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on the Legions, right? You know. Is it still yeah, sure. Staliac Lords and um, is it still Staliac Lords and um, Null Myriad? Null Myriad. Like where where are they ranked? I'm I'm going to confuse myself. I keep for sure. I'm going to I'm talking about Petrofix Elite's going at the top. Like you're reducing rim by one is brilliant because uh, you don't have access to um, all out defense. So it's brilliant. You just get that off the bat. Mystic Shield can go onto a unit, of course. And now you're reducing two points of round. Of course, you're already ever minus one plus one save, but you can reduce two points of round, which is really strong from what's at guard especially when they're re-rolling saves, right? That, that's that's the dream. Um, so they're going to the top for me. And I think what also excels them is bludgeon. Yeah. Giving myself an additional point of random when I attack is fierce. Like if you've ever been hit by Mortec Guard before and your opponent hands you 45 dice to, 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 to save and they go, it's friend two, um, then you know what I'm talking about. But I think second is probably Normuriad. I almost took Normuriad to face Humber because with Lumineth, Seraphon, Zinch, uh, Archeonist, there's all, all prevalent in the meta, at least in the UK. Um, I was like, I can ignore all these on two up. You know, you cast Lambert Light on me, two plus. You know, you cast um, Searing Light from Teclas, two plus. Um, is it Comic Hall from the Slam, two plus. So, like, it's really, it's five really up. strong. It's five up, but with a CP, it's a two up, yeah? That's right, yeah, that's right, yeah. So you cool. spend a relentless discipline and get it to a two up. So really, really strong, right? Um, because... The, those and I think those two hosts. Um, now that the FAQ says you can issue multiple orders, but only you know the same order in a turn, but only one unit can receive or benefit from an order anyway. So it means you, you can do multiple bludgeons if you want to, not the same unit, yeah. of course, but you could, right? Um, of course. For, and one of the big reasons why I think they're both winners is because of the way they change relentless discipline. So now you get yours at the start of the battle round, but you roll each turn for your units. So you are getting, so you're getting more. more turn. Yeah, because I, I, I was having it, loads. Because it seemed like on average, like I felt like the number nine was always a number that I was always playing against. It was around seven to nine that my opponents would have up their sleeve and you'd hold them for the the whole battle round, right? Your turn and my turn. But yeah. now it's it's now you're getting to roll your, you're getting it on both sides, which means you've got so much to spend. And I guess, because I was thinking was like, amazing. if you've only got like nine points, you know, you don't want to null myriad everyone in your army because then you have no CP for the other turn. Yeah. But now you get some, right? So, and that's one of the, get back to Catacros, he used to give you five, right? So you'd be like, I take Catacros, yeah. Yeah. I know I'm definitely getting five, right? Before I do anything else. Um, 
now you, you need him less because it's so like you get multiples for a leash. You get two if you're going second in the round. Um, you get to roll for them. You get to roll for them again in your opponent's turn. Like you have a lot of relentless discipline. So I was, um, you know, really surprised just how much I had. I was getting to the end of battle rounds with like four or five, and I was like, I can't even spend these. Like I, I have nothing to do with them. So I was like, okay, well, I just have to give them up because like, there's nothing I can do. Because um, as much as it's great to be able to use multiple um, of the same command, you can still only receive one command. So I couldn't go, yeah. you know, I couldn't go um, bludgeon and, you know, reroll shields. You, know, you got to pick one. Um, and you Are can they go both throw phase? No, they no. Combat so phase? They're combat phase. So, we, so it's about uh, the combat okay. phase. You have to choose if you're more tech, right? Which I think is interesting. It's like, do I reroll my saves? You should have to announce it at the start. Or do I wait and go with bludgeon and then use an additional relentless discipline to attack and go to event two, right? It's really cool. Back only do one. You can't do both. So you mm. choose. Um, and if you know you're going second with your more tech, it's shields. If you know you're going first, you maybe you're gonna bludgeon, right? And you can try and do some damage. Um, so it's a cool trade-off, but I think that's one of the strengths. So I put those two at the top. Stalic Lord to me comes in at third. I think the mobility's always been good. It's just not as played. It's just not as cool. You know, people love the, the Death Riders. People don't. That list isn't bought enough, if that makes sense. Like, not many people have it. People that do have it really enjoy it. So I think it is good. I've played against it a couple of times, and I wonder if the coherency changed because you'd have a block, you'd have a couple of blocks of ten, yeah. and I think there was, I think one, of, a couple of my opponents even had maybe a block of fifteen. There was like a fifteen and maybe a ten and a ten and a five, or a couple of you know some variant of that. But now that the coherency rules have changed, and yeah, you could, you've still got the lances, but moving them around the board isn't nearly as flexible as they used to be, and I wonder what impact that has to the Staliac Lord build. Yeah, people are probably suffering, are they? You know, the 15, when you start removing casualties, it becomes it gets difficult. So you probably dissuade it from doing a 15, and now all of a sudden you look some min fives. It's probably less attractive. But, this, but I still think it's still it's still third best. Like it hits hard, retreat and charge is always good on any army. Um I think Stalic Lords is it sits really well at third. Like if and especially if you're into Cav style lists and that's your mm. thing and you love you know fast armies like eel lists or or Dormite lists or any of that kind of stuff. So I think Stalic Lords is really cool. Plus it plays really differently from the rest of the book. If you're a Stalic Lords player and you're playing Cav heavy, um you're probably super into into it, whereas the rest of the book is probably like more of a an actual you know foot army, foot slogging army. So um then the rest of the host, what is Praetorian probably comes in at four, you know, still good. Um the re-rolls by Xantos that, that he gives to crawlers to re-roll wounds is still really big. Um for anyone who has a roll with the crawler, you know, you know that you it's only a three up to wound, but you know you'll you'll fail two out for three. Um so yeah, that's a really big re-roll that he can have, um, especially with Chaos um, being quite prevalent at the moment, with Legion of the First Prince, uh, Zinch, uh, and Nurgle. Nurgle really good at the moment. So um, I think they, they probably go in at fourth, but they don't they don't offer a huge durability unless you take Catacros. So there is like a 500 point tax if you go into Mortis. Um, and then yeah, the, the Crematorium. An Ivory Host. An ivory host, your bless ivory host down at six. Uh, probably, probably just a fun one, you know. Even though they're in gear and it is the season of gear, they're not very, they're not very attractive. So I probably put those two down at five and six. Um, Crematorians is, is fun, but I've never really been, I've never really been into having an effect that I have to die first to get. If that makes sense. Um, so that's the one. That's the one. That's the one that does some mortal wounds. Um, yeah, and roll the dice. Each one that dies. And... Maybe you blow up. 
<laughs> and you get plus one if there's a hero and a monster, right? So yeah. it could be a nice way to do a whole bunch of mortal wounds if you're, you know, super stacked with uh, Mortec Guard. But then if you're going a Mortec Guard build, I guess the question is, am I better doing the, the mortal wound, you know, out or do I go Petrifix? Do I go into something else? Even like Crematorium with some additional attacks and, and damage compared to the Ivory Host. Yeah, I think Crematorium is you really just, you, you get, you're taking loads of Mortec Guard, three Harvesters, you're having a beer, you, you're just waiting for that one turn where you send 30 in, you know, the Gargans absolutely destroy and then you just get to roll loads of dice and mortal them off and then you're happy, right? That's your weekend, you're good. Um, you, you, you've got your meme. I think that's really it because it's a cool mechanic, but you have to die to get it. And, and half of them, you don't even get to do the damage, right? I think it's like a four up. So yeah, I put them at five. Ivory Host at six. I'm pretty sure most people listen to this who play OBR. I can't even tell me what Ivory Host does. So. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen an Ivory Host list. <laughs> I remember when I very first did the Battle Tone review. I thought Null Myriad was like a 50 50. I'm like, oh, if Magic becomes really popular in the meta, maybe we'll see Null Myriad. Um, but I guess you're right. Like now we're in like we're getting into this age of supercasters, whether it is um, Archaon with um, like Kairos. As you said, Lumineth. Um, there's just so much magic going around, and and I mean, endless spells. Even like the way they interact might actually work while. So may, interesting that you've called out Null Myriad. I would not have expected you to have mentioned Null Myriad. It, it feels like it's been on, on the bench, just waiting for its call. Yeah, especially if you're going to run Arcan, right? Because that Null Myriad is his host. They're built out of the purple stone from the the Necroquake. So I think. Yeah, Nomariad is really interesting because it's like, I, I still go Petrifix for the damage. I still have to kill stuff. But if you are that getting that peppered by spells, like Nomariad is amazing. Just a two-up to shut down someone's combo is huge. Like if you're running a Teclas build and you're really reliant on Searing Light and I just ignore it on a two, like and you're, not, and you're not getting your points worth of damage from him because he doesn't go and fight, right? So I've actually just shut off like 700 points of your army. Um, really, it's really strong. I think people will see it um, because you just don't lose any models. You don't lose any more spells. You don't lose any more to combat. You know, you, you, you rarely get shot. So, I think Mario is really strong. Right, Petrifix Elite yeah. is still the best. Yeah, and, and yeah, Pet Petrifix is back because of the. I guess they've kind of rewinded the nerfs. Like it was good. They've kind of like rewinded it a little bit, and now it feels like you're you're back, but you're not in this weird oppressive. Well, maybe you are. I don't know, but I haven't played. No, I haven't played against new, new, um, new Mortec Guard yet. So maybe, maybe Petrofix is back at its super annoying, really hard to grind down, ignoring all the rend. Um, because it's probably one other thing in the meta right now. You know, you've got not only do you have all these superheroes, but you've got these super durable units. You know, your Blood Knights mm -hmm. are just one of many examples. Yeah. Stormcast Dragons are going to be another one. There's going to be a lot of these two-up or three-up based armor save units. And um, I think there's going to be a lot of mortal wounds. I feel like people are going to be tapping into mortal wounds than ever before. And I've already seen some people doing some little bit of list tech. And maybe the next part of the meta is about mortal wound ward saves. And I was feeling mm -hmm. like because of, you know, things like the Harvester, because you've got the six-up, you know, ward for your army, um, you might actually be in a really good position. I don't know if you, you – I don't think you can bring it down anywhere with a five up or anything other than like the amulet of destiny, but you, you, so you can, I think the load, the load key, is it called with the bone shaper? I think you can pick a unit within one and then you get a five up death save. Um, uh, and that's his artifact. 
I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's it. I can't, um I think it gets it on one unit. But I think that's the only way you can do it. But are you feeling that? Like, you know, I was looking at some people, you know, talking about like, you know, the the, the mortal wounds that dragons are going to be coming out of. And more people are looking at mortal mm -hmm. wounds to handle these really high armor saves. So, you know, do you think OBR is in a good spot to kind of handle or a better spot than maybe other armies? Maybe I think you might asking. see a reaction where we take more harvesters. You know, uh, at the moment you take one, maybe two. I think if it really becomes an issue three, because mortal wounds is how you can kill OBR, you get through their armor. You know, they don't, they only have a six up, right? you know, whatever their death save is. Yeah, they have harvesters, but um, in terms of just ward saves, it's just a six up. So like you can get to them. Whereas it being durable, like one up revolvable save used to be our thing. Now everybody's doing it. So I think mm. you're right. I think here in the UK, especially um, watching all the games this weekend, um, I think what it's a mortal wound arm race. How many mortals can you do? How many reliable mortals can you do? And how reliable is your mortal save? Um, yeah. And that's why I think Nurgle just sits there on a five up across the army going, cool. And then they bring their play bearers back. They're replenishing, they're healing all over the place. Nurgle are like probably the strongest army I think in the game right now. Uh, people just don't play them because they don't want to play that sort of 90 play bearers, sit on objectives, no thrills. You're just going to sit there and get hit like an anvil for about three hours. And then you go, cool, everyone, see you later. Um, but it's cool. I mean, I think Nurgle will be a strong reaction. And it'd be interesting because if Nurgle comes in, Nurgle is the OBR savior that we need because Nurgle will come in and dissuade everybody from taking mortals, yeah? And we won't go anywhere, but we're just like, thank you very much, Papa Nurgle, because now we're back. You know, there's no, it, Nurgle will dissuade the mortals out of, out of the meta because people are like, well, you, how'd you get through Nurgle? Maybe you better have just more volume of dice, more attacks. Um, and yeah, like that's good for us, right? Because we sometimes when you don't have it in your own book, it's sometimes good to think what could come in vogue. You know, what and does that help you? If Nurgle are everywhere, it helps us because we destroy Nurgle in combat. Yeah, no issue. Mm. Like, yeah, okay, you've got a five up. Um, but if I hand you 40 dice and 20 play bearers, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna cave uh, at round two, we go straight through your armor. Um, so Nurgle the savior we need maybe in that regard, but I do think mortal wounds and the prominence of mortal wounds is becoming not concerning. But like if you're an OBR player, like there's a lot going around. You know that's how you that's how they can get to us. Yeah, and maybe another argument while well, Myriad might be worth considering is because you're either getting mortal wounds from an ability or you're getting mortal wounds from spells. And I think spell mortal wounds are definitely risky because you then come up against a Lumineth as an example and you just shut down that potential. Um, and then anything through abilities, this is what kind of where uh, I do worry. But at least I think you guys are in a good spot um, compared to maybe some other armies that, you know, can quickly shoot off a hero, can quickly, you know, you kind of crumble a little bit. Yeah, and that's why I thought I'd take Arkham because really it was like trying to get some of those crucial unbinds, the plus two. You know, I really felt like I had to take Arkham. I thought, I think because of the, because of the spell defense, I think he was like, super necessary to take in our meta at least and like and i've not really used him before but i put him in because i was like if i don't have it and they get me spells off that is what's really going to hurt me or undo me so and i did get if i played lumineth and got a few key unbinds as well on totally um on lambert light and power of hish i unbound a greater power of hish as well so that, those are really big moments because you just combo break on the lumineth so yeah i think arcan is really still a choice for obr in this meta right now
Oh, I dig it. I dig it. Um, I'm going to bring up your list, I think. I think I really want to kind of unpack a little bit. Um, I think maybe your wife might be in the kitchen as well. So hopefully. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to do I was kind of like slightly delaying. I noticed you were going on mute for a second. So life <laughs> happens, folks. It's how it is. Yeah, um, dogs bark. It's why my dog, my dog's never in the stream because he always sits under my microphone and then starts snoring. So as much as I don't have to like have dog cam, he just snores and like it, it doesn't make for good content. But um, this is the list that James took to Facehammer and went four and one. Um, you know, a big shout out as well to your other OBR kind of counterpart, which was my brother the, Owen Jackson, the yeah. Owen Jackson, who who ran yeah. uh, OBR with Nagy Nagash. So um, it was good to see you both went four and one. So it kind of shows you don't have to take Nagash if you don't want to put in all these points into a big model, or you can do really well with a big superhero like Nagash. But um, James has kind of gone down the Petrofix route. Um, I'm going to kind of understand a little bit like what you're trying to achieve. Why did you choose what you chose? You know, um, why did you leave Nagash at home? What brought you to into Petrofix Elite? You know, you know, where's special K in all this, you know, why one, one crawler, why only, you know, why didn't go 30 more tech guard? I think that's kind of like some of the questions that I'm thinking about, but for people who, who are going to join the podcast, I'm giving James just a, a second to get a drink and refresh himself. You've got the Leash Cavalos, which is the general with the mighty, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, and the God-boned armor. So I imagine the command traits coming from Petrofix. So you, you know your rules, folks. By the way, Stormcast and Oryx being able to choose their command trait and their artifact. Wonder what will I wonder how that'll change the game for you lot when that <laughs> happens. Yeah, well, it's very exciting, isn't it? If like if this is the direction the hosts are going in, um, I'm no longer. Although I can't really complain because the the Petrofix Elite uh, command trait and artifacts probably the two best in the book. So yeah, they're no tax. They're no I'm tax. Having, I'm having my cake and eat it at this point. But yeah, I really think it'd be interesting because I think that opens up a lot of different builds if you can do that. You've also got your Soul Mason, which has the reinforced battle shields. Then you've got Arcan mm -hmm. the Black. No spell law because Arcan knows all of the spells. So good news. Please don't put that contract on me, um, James. I'm <laughs> sick of being contracted. The death contract. It's, it's the worst. It's I hate awesome being contracted. Awesome. Stop it. Uh, and then you've also got your 20 self, you got 20 more tech guard, 10 more tech guard, five death riders, two harbingers. I think I know why you got them in there, but I, I want to hear from you anyway. You've got the harvester and you've got a crawler with the bone tied shrieker. I love that endless spell coming in Incredible. at 1995. It's so good. That spell, like that spell, not just being within 12 and you can't inspire or rally is insane. Like, the amount of people that I put that in for 12 and I'm like, oh, you can't, you can't rally or inspire. And they're like, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. And then we get to the battleshield phase and they're like, oh, I'll just inspire them. I'm like, no, because the shrieker turns it off. They're like, so after all the battleshock, I'm like, no. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. And because um, you're not getting, you know, if you're running a horde army, you don't get the one, uh, the plus one bravery for every 10 anymore. Um, you know, like, there's so much that. You know, so like, good. That spell is incredible. And the amount of people that scramble to try and unbind it or dispel it, they're like, I can't let this spell live. Um, and because obviously it's tied to the caster, so I only I get to move it. So it's it's yeah. incredible. It's an incredible spell. Um, eight or five points is a lot for an endless spell. It is really high. But it's so good. It does so much work for you. It's it's amazing. 
I know, because I was thinking about this. I'm like, wait a second, I'm playing Daughters right now, and my Blood Viper cost me 90 points, and that can auto-delete models, and that's mm. five points more. But, you know, being able to shut down... It's a huge base. Business, for example, I, it, it is a huge ever, base. If you've ever held a Viper, it's big. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, James has wrapped this up in the Hunters of the Heartland and the Battle Regiment as well. Hey, can can you take Mega Gargans? I was just having this idea. I'm like, wait a second, you've got mercenaries. I know you you haven't got any allies, but you can take a mercenary, can't you? Mega Gargans. I'd have, I'd have to double check into that, but I believe if it's a mercenary, we can use mercenary. It's a mercenary. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd I have to check if we can use mercenaries. I think we can get a Mega in there, yeah. Oh, I'll be interested to think here, here if you if you can, would you? Yeah. But anyway, like like you know, let's go to some of your choices. Like you got your Lee Cavalos, you got your Soul Mason, and you got Arcane the Black. Like what was some of you thinking here? And by the way, you've gone price sorcery. So why you didn't choose hold the line? I'd love to know as well. Yeah. Um, so the leaders, Arcane, like I said before, I felt he was an auto take. I had to put him in. Um, his magic defense really helps, but also he has also asserts that magic, right? Plus two to cast. He's got three casts. Um, he can do it. He's a great source for getting empower weapons off, which means our weapons turn on fives. Um, he can get reinforced battle shields off, which is a five up ward in combat, I believe, against melee attacks. Um, at least that's how I was playing it. So if it's against shooting, then I've cost myself. But um, but it's a great another great one, but it's just reliable because getting back to like the, the magic dominance, loads of people have great reliable unbinds. Protectus even has an auto unbind. So mm. having that plus two really helps you get it off, especially if you're playing against Nagash. You've got more chance of getting spells off as well. Um, the Leech Cavalos gives everyone plus one attack uh, within 12, I think. Um, and yeah, he has plus two wounds for the command tray, ignores the first wound taken in each phase. Um, really, really durable. It makes it hard to get say the warlord on me, um, because you know that is a battle tactic people like to achieve, and he is already on a three up base save, so he can quite easily be two up with a mystic shield or in cover. Um, very, very durable hero, and he's obviously got great movement. Sometimes I like to, um, I think if I can cast the monster spell on him, I forget what it's called. It's not levitate. Is it the other one? You know, the girls. Uh, metamor metamorphosis. Yeah. And then I plus three move him and I do D six run on him. And then I get him onto an objective and get like monstrous, uh, takeover or Take whatever over. it is. And people, and people just don't, just don't expect it. Um, so yeah, I, little things like that. He, he's really useful for late game breakaway because I don't have a lot of mobility. But that's my hero package. I go for price sorcery because I felt for 20 and 10 more tech would be middle board fighting. And I didn't want them to get brute forced off because Arkan normally stays at the back playing the flanks, you know, just flying around because he's got 16 inch base movement. Um, so he normally never gets targeted, you know, almost never in danger really. Um, and it's really easy for me to achieve the, that grand strategy because um, obviously the Mason is also left alone as well. Like people don't really want to put resource into the soul mason, but if they want to stop my ground strat, then they need to kill him. He's got six yeah. wounds, you know. And obviously, it's quite cool. Um, so I think that is why I went for price sorcery over hold the line. Um, and if I had more more tech, maybe if I had a thirty block, I, I'd be confident with hold the line. But I just thought, you know, if, if things aren't going well and I'm relying on a grand strat to get me out of jail for the win, um, having one of my two wizards alive is probably the way to go. Because there's more tech if I'm in a bad spot, probably dust, you know, um, at that point. So that's why I went for it. So that's my three hero package. 
Can I just ask you about Arcane? And I'm just looking at your spell law. One thing I've always been, you know, I've admired you is you've got a really good spell law from, mm. you know, empower Natarite weapons, protection of Nagash is just my the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> you know, drain vitality, mortal contract, even like reinforced battle shields. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Arcane Command is helpful if you need more CP, but I wonder if you even need your. Um, I've never, I've never even used your relentless. Yeah, I was going to say like you, no. you've always normally got enough. I guess my question is from uh, Anarchan, the black point of view, are there spells that you seem to draw from more than others or are you just like responding at the time? It depends. I'm always casting a power weapons. I'm always casting that. If I'm against a particularly good caster, I'll go for the battle shields on the Mortec number 20 uh, with Arcan because I get the plus two um, and I let the Mason just do Soul Guide um, and Mystic Shield. Um, but yeah, those two for sure. And then it's just choose, you know, what I need at the time. If I'm healing, drain vitality. If I want to do some some shenanigans, maybe Mortal Contract, you know, um, there's a lot you can do. But he also, I use him to put out the Shrieker as well at plus two. So he's mm -hmm. always usually casting the Shrieker. So that takes a cast away because it gets dispelled a lot. People are desperate to get rid of it. So you're normally casting that more than once per game. Um, so those are probably the three I go for. Um, but yeah, you have flexibility. You know, you, you can and and do what you like. I got two follow-up questions I've just I've just thought of. One, protection of Nagash. Have you found that it's less helpful the board has changed? Because I, I know there's been plenty of times in second edition I'd play and, and protection of Nagash, Arcan the Black would take some damage, he'd then teleport, and being outside of nine inches was a lot easier on the old the old boards. Have you found that it's as helpful or are you finding that it's a bit more restrictive to, to pop him around? No, it's super helpful. Like it's great tech in shooting armors, right? If I, I put him down, I, I get I take my turn, I put the protection on, and I'm like, if you hit him, he's gonna move. So you're only gonna get hit him once with whatever shooting it is. Um, you know, it's it's a case of like does your opponent even try at that point? It's another way to dissuade your opponent from doing it, especially if they've left an objective completely un unmarked. Because it's the only way, really. It's uh, Maybe it's a gotcha moment as well. But if you put it on him, send him into combat at the end of the turn, let him take some damage, then use that teleport to get him over to the back objective. You know, um, it's a really good tactic to have. And the fact that he's a monster in the army allows me to score some additional points in my battle tactics, which is another reason for his inclusion, because I've only got the harvester for that. And normally the harvester can't break away or is dead. So he's really good because you go 16-inch move plus three move from the, the RDP, uh, and then I can run a D6, right? So I'm really mobile, and I can get onto these objectives if I need to. Or Savage Spearhead with a monster, really good, you know? Um, so, yeah, he's been really useful. But in terms of protection of the gash, I have cast it, um, usually against shooting armors, um, but rarely. Like, not super loads because of the other three I mentioned, but yeah, you, you can absolutely do that. And it is a really cool spell. It, it drives people mad. The other follow-up was going to be with the Bone Tide Shrieker, do you unbind that or do you attempt to dispel it in your enemy's turn for the reason of if your opponent then tries to unbind it in your turn, then you obviously can't recast it. So, and mm. I notice a few people are now playing that yeah. strategy where they put on their endless spell in their turn, they mm. unbind it or just dispel it in the enemy's turn, and then they recast it the following turn to stop them. Is that something that you're doing with the the bone tie shrieker, or are you just leaving uh, it at the table and no, I, I leave it. 
I leave it because I want them to burn a cast on it. I want them to dispel it and have a go um, because it also takes away their focus. They're more focused on that than their own spells. They're like, I need to dispel this. I need to give it a go. Um, and I like to, I, and I position it as a blocker sometimes, you know, just in front of my Mortec, like, so you can't charge this side and have to go around. Um, so it's normally serving a purpose. Um, so no, I haven't. Uh, but that is is a great combo. Like you'd have, if you wanted to do it, that's how you, you probably have to consider that. Like you know, just, like sometimes you just don't have a chance to cast it. I've just seen I've just seen some combinations happening where people are dispel like your opponent is trying to remove it in your turn, so you can't recast it. And then should there be a double turn, uh, you can't bring that on for some period of time. So some people are like removing it if they don't quite need it in their enemy's turn. Um, I guess I yeah, just want to it's a great know, combo because you, you've got some reliable combo. casting, so you can bring it on relatively comfortably. Yeah, it's a it's a great combo. Um but yeah, I've not I've not done that much myself, but I suppose if I was against somebody who was employing that strategy, it would hurt because I would I do I leave it up or do I drop it myself in their turn to try and get it back? But if they win the double, I've not got it up, you know. Um there's probably a nice duality there of decision making. It's quite cool. Um but no that's, for me I tend to just leave it up more out of laziness than anything else. Just leave it up. It's doing a purpose. It's it's doing something cool. Because I quite like the fact that if they charge from more tech and the shrieker is always within twelve, if I fight you in combat, you're not gonna have a chance to inspire. So and if you wanna come in and people like to spend command points, you know, to but to, to supercharge for that combat phase, and then they bounce off, and then I kill like 10, 15 models, you're minus one from me just maybe being within six, I think. So um and you can't use Inspiring Presence, I can actually get units off the board in my opponent's turn through doing nothing, you know, um, which is something I quite like to do. So I, I normally leave it up, but it is a really good combo. Um, and it is something that I think people probably play wrong still. You know, they probably think they can still cast it, but it's interesting, you know, just to remind people that if it is dispelled in that phase, you can't then attempt to cast it again. So that's, well, that's why I was thinking, like, is it is it worth, you know, pulling it down if you get a chance to? But... I guess what I'm hearing is you want it up, especially to make a risk versus reward kind of thing where if the opponent wants to charge you yeah. and fight within range of that shrieker, well, guess what? You're now going to be minus one. So you better have a good strategy. And if I can punch out a whole bunch of damage, especially with my Mortec guard in Petrifix, know that. And I, I, how have you found Brave Free 10 type stuff with this type of list? Are you finding that they are likely to run from Battleshock or not really? Yeah, I, people have run from Battleshock loads on me. You know, like I, I use Battleshock as a weapon because of the Shrieker. Um, it allows me to get through units quicker because you don't really want to be tied down and bogged down. Um, even stuff like the the five Death Riders, right? If I'm on a flank, I put the Shrieker within 12. They hit those 20 Marauders, you know, whatever is holding that far objective. And then the Battleshock clears the rest off, you know, because you don't, you only have so many attacks. Like you don't do like a massive amount of damage because you only want one point of damage each each attack anyway. So you do need a little bit of additional help, you know, to get them off. So sometimes I do like the three arcane bolts, super saiyan arcane as well. For that reason, you know, he he just put that that one turn. He has to put all three on himself. He get he charges in, three d three. Then he goes in combat and kills nothing. He just end up screaming at him. Um, but yeah, that's for the most part. I think there's a lot of good combos there. But the shrieker enables it all. The what normally happens though is if you fail to cast or if it's unbound. Then what do you do? You know we have to change tack a little bit at that point. Yeah. No. No. I like it. No. It's good. It's good. Good to consider. Um. Mm. So you got your twenty more tech guard, your ten more tech guard, yeah. and your Cavalos, which is obviously fulfilling your battle line. 
Um, yeah. You've already kind of mentioned a little bit that your more tech guard are, uh, especially the unit of 10 are, you know, not cheap, but they certainly are at risk at um, being taken for broken ranks. And I guess probably one of the yeah. many reasons why you've got that in Hunters of the Heartland. So your more mm. tech guard and just, or just your more tech guard can't be monstrous rampage for those D3 mortal wounds or, you know, the, the, the raw. Yeah, like Hunters of the Heartlands was a big decision because like I want it to be low drop and give it, give it away so I can maybe get a double get into my opponent. But when I looked at the wording and everything and I, and I checked it, that like when you use Relative Discipline, you're still issuing and receiving an order, you know? So um, Raw, for instance, will stop that. If a monster comes into my Mortech and successfully roars and I can't reroll my shields, then my God, <laughs> like that just yeah. can't happen. So I need to be in Hunters um, with my Mortech. And I think it, it, paid, it paid off. You know, I didn't put the Death Riders in it because I need to fill the, the, the regiment quota. But I think that the guard being in it really dissuades people. You can't roar on them. They're small enough that you'd like to have a go, that you feel like you could try. You know, that's another thing as well by taking smaller amounts. I wanted to, like, lure people in. I'm like, well, I've only got 20, you know. Your army, you know, I, in my head, I'm thinking, I've only got 20. But then maybe they think, oh, if I charge two or three units into them, I can get them, right? Um because not, it's not a huge intimidating block like it was before. And a 20 still hold up really well. But I think they're yeah. really good battle line. And I always wanted the Death Riders because you do have to get the game going. So turn one or two, you do need to get those 12 you know, plus three, 15 onto that middle objective just to make sure you score. Because one thing with OBR is you win late. You know, you always win late game, but you need to hang around in the early game. You still need to get five points, six points, five points, and get some points on the board. Uh, and I think Death Riders are really good for that. Because I was going to say, because traditionally you, in, the, in the Petrofix build, you would usually see three, even four back in the day, units of Mortec Guard. But you're saying that you're you're finding, especially at times where you've got to really go for an objective that might be quite far, that the Death Riders are helping you score that one, two or more, more consistently. Yeah. And Savage Spearhead Battle Tactic, they're really good at achieving that with Arkan. Um, like you know, later in the game. Um, so they're yeah, they're really really useful. Uh, one ninety is a heavy cost, but they're three wounds each. You know, you you can I think you can return them. I never actually get to do it, but I think you yeah, you can, can you can because because Arcan because Arcan does uh, up to three wounds, wounds so you yeah. can either bring in three Mortec Guard or one Death Rider. Yeah, I forgot all weekend because I thought you had to use the word summonable, but that was just my Gravelord cap on. But yeah, it was really, but that's another element of them as well, right? You can actually replenish models in the unit. Um, so they're actually really cool. Like they're a really cool unit. Um, and I think they catch a lot of people out with their movement because you're like, oh, I'm going 15, I'm charging 2d6. They're like, oh, okay. You know, it's quite a big deal getting back to the small boards. They cover a lot of ground. Um, and I think, yeah, outside of my battle line choices, the Harbingers, the, the Harvester obviously accompanies the 20 Mortech. Like, he's not a win condition, but he does give you another monster, which is interesting because one of the things I like to do is use Ferocious Advance turn one because no, I'm not really doing anything turn one, right? And if I do it with the Harvester and I do it with Arcan, that's two monsters. If I cast the Gur monster spell on the little Soul Mason, then I've got three monsters and I achieve it, I achieve it at three battle tactic points. And that additional point turn one is huge. Like, it's, it can maybe be yes. a difference later in the game because it puts pressure on your opponent. Um and that's another thing that's achievable by having Arcana in the list. And the crawler is really just to sit there and pick off small heroes. It's also to have a threat of breaking coherency. You know, we talked about coherency before. If you've got, you know, I don't know 20, let's say 20 more Mortec, I can snipe your Hecatos out of the unit. 
So you can't issue orders. And then my Mortec go in and I issue orders and I smash through a unit of Mortec. So like little combos like that really help me with the crawler. Plus, you'll be surprised how many people have five wound, little slaves to darkness, wearing whatever mark is, is, is the flavor of the week in the corner, giving everybody people hits and wounds and you just need to get rid of them. You know, um, it's, such a, it's such a big threat to have. It's five damage a pop. Um, but yeah, everyone who's playing OBR knows that you have turns where you do 15 damage and you have yeah. two turns of no damage. So save stacking does hurt the crawler. You know, now that people can all out defense, the crawler has no rend. Um, yeah. But, you know, that, that's, that's where you go. You can't have it all. I've got five damage on my shooting. There has to be some trade-off, otherwise everybody would just spam them. So, yeah, it's it's a nice threat. Plus, it's 12 wounds. So it counts as, um, is it two on an objective? Or is it five? I can't remember. I think it's two. Uh, um, so it's five. If, if, you're, if you're a monster, it's five. If you are... Yeah, it's two, is it's, it? Uh, yeah, it's two. So it gives you a little two on an objective. So he can deny against another smaller hero. Um, so he's not bad to leave on the back objective. Um, but yeah, he's quite cool. I think the crawler works really well. Um, and people are terrified. And against hordes, it just smashes the stuff for you. Um, see, I, see, I couldn't care less about the hordes. What I was concerned about is my little five-wound hero, especially like my five-wound <laughs> wizard, that you yeah. just like pop you're gone well, or you once roll. per game delete that once per game delete yeah. like i remember one of my mates liam um had had double catapult into my hurricanum and popped the hurricanum because it rolled the 2d6 above whatever is the wound characteristic or whatever and i cried i'm like man that's like 11 wounds on my hurricanum you just like gone <laughs> yeah it's 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 incredible uh but you need to do it once of course you have you have to pick your moment but the amount of people that are like are you gonna snipe my wizard you're like I mean, I got a Fire Slayer player's banner guy. He's like, like five wounds. I'm like a nine on the dice. Because it's minus three off the dice, obviously, when you're full health. Um, and he just killed his banner. And he was like, because his banner guy was like a two up, you know, unkillable, minus one to wound from the from the Magma Drop command trait. And yeah, he lost his banner. And he was like, <laughs> but it's such a huge tool if it goes right. Some games it doesn't. And you're like, cool. Uh, to the point model did nothing for most of the game, but that's the way it goes. You can't have it all the way. So it's just to have that threat. And, and where I think the Mortec Crawler plays a big role in my list is people deploying heroes further than they want to, people deploying heroes on terrain that they don't want to do um, because they lose a, a turn of movement to get down, etc. just to give them that cover save. Um, so it messes, it, anything that messes with your opponent's deployment or the, the thought process during that moment is, is really cool. So I, I like the Crawler. And I used to take four, right? I used to have my 40 block of Mortec with four crawlers. Um, I took that was the list I was running. I've only ever seen two. Like two is two, two of the maximum that I ever played against. I think people went two crawlers and then um, Catacross. Like, you know, my mate Carl uh, over here, Carol, was asking about, you know, Catacross. And I think we kind of talked a little bit about right now, maybe Catacross wants to uh, go on holidays for a little bit. I mean, it's still good, <laughs> but uh, I think at least if you're if you're moving to Petrofix Elite like James has mm -hmm. done, maybe not as good, but certainly if you want to continue using Mortis Praetorian, um, whatever his legion is, um, you know, definitely is still value in it, but maybe not as valuable as it used to be, especially if you're using PE. Yeah, for sure. If you're using PE, like, this, I think, is the most competitive build. But if you love Catacombs and you and you run him and that's your guy, then Mortis Praetorians, he's still good. Like, he's still viable. He's not, he yeah, he's not bad. He's not, it's not bad. It's just, like, the PE's yeah, now. Yeah, you're just paying a lot more for him now, I think. You lose a lot. One of the things I had for the weekend, though, that was, like, 
the stars of the show was the Morgas Harbingers. I think they came out in like 1995 and no one so, played them. So, yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that because I used to run them in my Legions of Nagash. Specifically, oh, cool. I used to run, I, yeah, I, I love them because I, and, and, and this is why I asked you, I, I know why you're bringing them and I wanted to call it out. Because I think I, I think I know. I think I got it. Okay. The reason I brought them is because um, in Legion of Night, uh, the old Legion of Night, uh, Legion of Gash, you could ambush three units from reserve Manfred as well if you had Manfred as the general, and the battalion at the time would re would would encourage me to take Vargeists, and I'd bring my Vargeists on the side of the board, and it was a nine inch charge. You always had to be outside of nine, and I'd fail it. So I'd either go right. I'm either gonna fail the charge and just get shot off or I've now got to bring a little vampire lord and spend a command point to re-roll the charge and it's still inconsistent yeah. but then I saw that the Morgast war scroll and it allowed me to roll <laughs> 3d6 on the charge and I'm like there is a consistent threat that I can sideboard the bases aren't huge they're what 50 mil bases so it wasn't too hard to get into combat uh and and bring on the side of the board and I remember playing a game against um, one of the one of the lads from Measure Gaming, Corey, and um, he used Harbringers as well. And he used the three D six charge to leap my screens, um, which I thought was a great little play as well because mm -hmm. it has such a you know a, such a deep threat. So I guess the couple of questions that I've got for you is one: Why are you taking the Morgast? Two. Why are you going the Harbingers over the Archai? Because the Archai have that great five-up mortal wound. And then Trevor's mm. got the third question, which is Harbringers or Stalkers. So that points <laughs> could be reinvested into the other side. So take me yeah. first on why you've gone Harbringers. Well, I went Harbringers because I wanted the 3 to 6 charge. I had them and I've never run them before, so I just wanted to play them. Um, but the 3D6 charge is, is is so good in OBR because it allows it to get... Like, the one game I lost uh, to Laurie, um, I had a six-inch charge with the Harbingers. And had I made it, I would have won. But I rolled a 1-1-2, one, one, so I didn't I didn't get it. Um, so that was pretty brutal. And Laurie, I think, was dancing for about half an hour. Um, so because I wanted to... I thought maybe I could have won all five games, but... That was that was a heartbreak moment. Um, I also wanted the one on my leech charge to follow that up, so that was great. Um, but yeah, I think the Harbingers over Archai are that three d six charge is so big, like because because mm -hmm. they can move nine right, so you plus three to twelve, and I can charge three d six. I've given them swords, so they get five attacks each. Rend one in Petrifix, I can go to rend two. You know, I think they're like threes and threes. Um, so and like like two two damage on the on the swords piece. So. They do a, yeah. a lot of damage, you know, and 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 the, again, mobility. You want you want the core of your army as the anvil, but you want you know the the cavalos, the harbingers on on the flanks doing work with them, with their movement, um, and they can just go off and do their own thing. Like they're an elite unit now, so as per the FAQ, they can issue their own orders. Um, cool. I prefer them over stalkers solely for the three d six charge. Like I played the mirror in round three against the lovely Matt Lyons uh, from Pro Painted. He had his um, Japanese style playing Reapers with the big hat. Oh, beautiful. So, yeah. so nice. One of the most gorgeous armies I've ever seen uh, in real life. And then he had the Stalkers. And my 20 Mortec went in and just killed them. Um, so Stalkers are good. And you could easily run them instead of the Harbingers. They're just as good, I think. You get three instead of two models, which does matter. You also get variety of picking what you want that turn. We've all saved, tax, you know, extra red, whatever it is you want with the faces. 
These guys, though, the 3D6 charge won me two of my games, you know. I mean, not not in that moment, but because they were able to do it early, the trouble they caused on that objective. Because what you want is you want to throw like that early round haymaker, right? You want them onto an objective, slash off the 10 models that are on there. And now all of a sudden, Archon's got to come over and deal with them when he doesn't want to. He wants to be over here doing all kinds of nastiness. But these two guys are stood on this objective. And if you don't do anything about it, and they've got six wins each. You know, they're not going, you know, they're not going anywhere unless you put real resource into them. So I just think they're absolute menace. And I, and I really enjoyed them. And they're cool models. And I've had them for years, ever since they got the Soul Wars box, and I never used them. So um, not Soul Wars, and um oh, what's the ogre one with the Yeah, the I, know, I know yeah, yeah, the, yeah, I know the Feast of Bones. The, yeah, Feast of Bones, sorry, yeah. So ever since that, I'm like, I just sat there, I was like, I need to use these models, you know. Um, I'll be honest, I cried. I cried when they got removed. I mean, rightfully so. It makes sense. Now, when they got removed from Soulblight, I cried yeah. because they were they were a fundamental addition in my list. Um, yeah. I will say, though, that I really I preferred mine with Halberds, and I liked the Rend 2 damage 3. And, you know, being able to get that extra point of Rend, you know, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think for me, Rend 2. Halberds is really cool, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the Halberds for me, just uh, that's my style. But the 3d6 even just being able to avoid um redeploy um if you happen to fight against any uh, chaos players right now the chaos the corn demon prince halving your run and charge rolls within an 18 inch bubble is all the rage so being able yeah. to um and especially when they redeploy you've just got a lot more chance to to um to to get the charge and the ability to leap screens, I think, like being able to like get into my juicy stuff that I might be trying to protect, because more people are playing with these like Death Star bubbles. I'm noticing, you know, more yeah. and more people are building like this big castle, and they've got that juicy little center that you want to get into, and being able to jump the screens with the flying three D six charge just gives you the more option. Yeah, super cool. That's one of the things we didn't mention, I guess, when we get, when we talked about AOS three, is redeploy really hurts OBR. You know, we don't have a way to re-roll our charges. The amount of times they have to move within nine from Vortex. So let's say I'm at six away, I move within six. Um, your opponent's like, okay, cool, I'll redeploy. If they pop like a, a three or four up on that on that redeploy, it basically kills your chance to charge. You get plus one from the banner, but it means they're so far, they're not exactly an 11 inch charge with no re-roll, right? So you, sure, you might get it if your lucky stars are in, but the amount of redeploys that hurt me. So you basically have to, a lot of the time, I was just running and going like four away. And people were like, well, why have you ran? And I'm like, well, because you're going to redeploy, right? But now that I can't charge, you might not. But now mm -hmm. I'm within six of the objective, you know, because I can't charge onto it. So I may as well run. I don't mind if you charge me because I'm not, I've got a harvester with me. I'm pretty confident that I can, I can tank it. Um, so a lot of the time I was opting just to run than charge, if that makes sense, because I couldn't. I can't, you can't reroll your charges, and if once they get outside of eight inch, you know it's very low chance of it happening. So you just—I'm weighing up, thinking I'll just run, you know, it's and I'll low. go into the roll off. Yeah, it's a low. It's, it's, you, at least you're on the objective. If if you know, if stars align, you're on the objective. Um, the last thing you want to do is be trying to get onto the objective with a charge, as you said, the redeploy. And then all of a sudden, not only have you failed the charge, but you're now not in range of the objective thus kind of nullifying and if you've had a battle tactic as well that you know control two objectives or whatever it might be then um that's just a, a massive blow to you horrendous your... redeploy yeah. is a nightmare so i was basically moving everything in my army but the more tech hoping that they would redeploy sooner 
um, just to see if I could bait it out. But some people will like happily let two more gas move three away and not redeploy because they're waiting to redeploy from the Mortec Guard. Um, so yeah, redeploy really hurts the army. But again, the riders, the harbingers, Arkans movement, this all offsets that, right? I can get closer to you. I can be three away. I'm like, do you really want to redeploy? Because like it's gonna be a, maybe maybe make it a six or seven inch charge. Like, you know, um, there is some thought to taking the helm on the on the liege um, for the reroll charges or whatever it is, yeah. uh, bubble. Um, no, so I was gonna, I was gonna uh, ask sorry. you like what. I was going to ask you, like, what else can you do? And, you know, what are some of the ways you can avoid, you know, that? Yeah, you're right. There's the triumph, you know, you probably don't have the points and you don't really want to do, like, chronomatic cogs because that's changed as well. And that's yeah. only a plus one and, you know, you have to be wholly within 18. So, like, is it worth it? It's not nearly what, what it used to be, getting a plus two to everybody. No. Um, no, it's a shame because I used to love that my opponent cast it. I'm like, oh, you know. Um, but now no one casts it, so uh, no, no more plus two for me. Well, um, when they do, it's just for the spell, right? They want the they yeah. want the additional spell, not <laughs> no one's not giving you any more free movement. Uh, no, so that's really that's really it, really. Um, you could swap the harbingers for the stalkers if you feel like going over terrain or having more variety is cool. Plus, they're cool models. Um, but no, I'm quite set on the list. Like, I think that's really happy with that. Like, that's what I would play if I was going to uh, an event today. Like, I would take that list again. I think. I didn't. I didn't lose my game because of the shortcomings of my army. I, I lost it because I. Well, I, I suppose I did, but I, I failed some key charges that statistically I make really easily. Right, so um, so I wasn't too worried about that. That's just dice. We all play a dice game. You know, it can happen. Um, I've had way better dice and lost games than have like worse dice and lost games. So, um, but yeah, I'm really happy. I'm really happy. The list and it plays as, I... as well. And as as I said to Matthew Davies as well, the um the the, the Silverneth player that you know uh, he only lost to Laurie as well at that event, and I said to him that he didn't have he didn't technically lose because Laurie should have been playing Silverneth, so he shouldn't have been running Zinch Archeon, so <laughs> oh. he didn't technically lose the event. And, and, and yeah. the same is true to you. Archeon is one piece in the matter that I can't kill. So one up, and we had a burn mission, so he was able to just not buy and burn my stuff. Um, so it was, I don't know, it's a hard combination. You know, tough to get Archeon on that mission because I'd played Nagastrael before on one, um, but to get him on a burn mission where I can't actually kill him uh, is difficult because his base is big enough. If you put him on the middle of six, you can't get within six of the objective. So that was great. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a tough cookie, that one. But um, no, I, I, I love the list. I'd, I'd happily play it again. Something that I've never really seen value in, and maybe you have a different opinion, is the Immortus Guard. Um, oh, like, no, like I, I, like I played, I played against them once or twice, and I was just underwhelmed with what they did. Am mm. I misreading it, or my opponents misplaying it, or like I just haven't seen the magic? No, I think their role is like the bodyguard, right? The shrug, but you're a bodyguard and a shrug for really durable heroes that can heal themselves. So I don't know their role anymore, like. I think their identity is that, you know, those huge guards, you know, they stand next to Cat across with their shields, you know, no one's going to hurt them, their heroes, their generals, but you're giving a shrug to a hero that's like a two-up save, really durable, can heal himself a flat three most of the time, most of their heroes, um, even the Bone Shaper can do that. So I don't really know why you would vouch for them over something like Harbingers or Stalkers that can go off and fight. Um, so no, I don't think so. I just think maybe they probably need a reimagining in the next home. I would imagine because like great models, just 
why you know why would you why would you take them over the stalkers or the harbingers or yeah, even a crawler? Like, right? like, like I played a couple of lists that I had like like I had six and six and six and three, and it's just like you could. I mean, okay. the only argument you could make is if you were worried about Nagash getting shot off and you took three with him in OBR, you know, in an OBR Nagash list, so he could shrug it. That's. I mean, that's the only thing I think of. But at that point, Nagash is so doable, and so healable. Why you know why would you why would you I don't know like Nagash costs a lot. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. What about your two other endless spells, your Nightmare Predator and then the Carrion, the Soul Stealer Carrion? Do they, do you think, I know, I know they're not in your list, but do you think they are worth considering in 3E or do you think it's just the, um, yeah, the, I mean, the Shriek guy is too good? If Leech of the First Prince is, is, is like popular in your, in your, in your meta and you, you know, those, those Demon Princes are turning off all the line of sight, the Carrion is super cool, right? Um, Nightmare Predator is cool. I think it's more fluff. I think the damage you could find elsewhere in your army. The issue you have with those spells is you struggle for points in OBR. Where do you find the points? And the Shrieker is such a standout compared to the other two, it's hard to say justify both because now you need casters to cast both. You know, like, and I don't know. I like both of them. I think the models are awesome as well. They're huge if people haven't seen them. Um, but yeah, I really like them. But I think I'm only taking one. It has to be the Shrieker. It's so good. Um, so I struggle to find places for it, but I think yeah, depending on what your local meta is, like if, if your friends playing like demon princes that turn off line of sight um, in the in the, 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 the spoilers, um, get your carrier and go and light light up the room. You know, everyone can see the all those demon princes, and then your crawlers can drop rocks on them. Do, have you noticed um, with your? Because I was just thinking, right, the Gothazar Harvester is a monster. Is that a cheap victory point you can give away? Are you are your opponents targeting yeah. the Gothazar for that monster slot? Yeah, it is. Um, but you have to live with it because you need it for the more tech. But yeah, people want to come after it anyway. They want to kill it anyway. And now you're giving up an additional VP, right, yeah. when it goes down. So, but it's it's like it's you can't have it all your own way. Um, I really need him, but people come after him super early. Um, so. Yeah, just one of those. Yeah, you do you do give it up, but again, he's taking damage off your army. And if they don't kill him, if they go for it and they don't get him, you heal him back up. Off you go, and, and your opponent feels like they've wasted a turn. So it can be good. Um, but likewise, he, he also can achieve battle tactics as a monster, right? Like he, I, I sent him into like six wardens in one of the game against Luminef, and he achieved broken ranks as a monster. You know, um, so he does make it back. But yeah, absolutely. And if you've got shooting or really good magic and you can get through Arkhan's uh, mines, then yeah, you're going to give up an extra VP. It's just the way it has you, to be. And you answered the question behind my question was going to be, would you drop it in order to avoid giving up the VP? And I knew no. what your response was going to be. And the answer is it's still worth it because one, you can score a couple extra by having, you know, um, metamorphosis, but two, the value that the Gothazar Harvester does. Like you notice the difference when when you attack a Mortec Guard unit that doesn't have a Harvester versus one that does. Um, it just you you see it's chalk and cheese. Well, I always think you can always judge off your opponent's reaction, right? If I come to the table and I put my OBR down, like Jimmy Harvesters, I'm like, no, they're like, okay, cool. And they'll be happy, they'll feel happy about that, right? And when, 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 when I say no, I've got two, they'll be like, oh, okay. And you know already that they're worried about it because it just that's the impact of a harvester, right? He is really good. And I think you something you have to live with. You know, you're gonna give up an additional VP if your opponent gets to it. But it's like a mega gargant player, you know. You give up additional VP, but you get so many benefits for scoring yeah. battle tactics as monsters, 
it's a fair trade-off. Like, and, and you only give up one once per turn, is it? The first one's to die. So if you've got multiple harvesters or you kill you kill Arcan and the harvester, I'm not giving away additional, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tax you have to you have to wear basically. But um it's also really good because you can mitigate him dying. Like turn one, people are like, how far is your shooting? 18, how far is your spells? 18 call, he's, he's 20 inches away. So you're gonna get at least two turns out of him. Um mm. And it becomes, people become obsessed with killing the harvester because they're like, oh, well, I can't touch you in Warsec until the harvester's gone. And you're like, cool. Because it's, you know, he, he does so much damage without doing anything, you know? And then if he if he is left alone, and, he, and let's say you're against daughters, or let's say you're against Nurg or something, no one gets to him. And then he can break away and start doing really destructive things on turns four and five. So I, I love him. But yeah, you, you you do have to wear it when he goes down. But he, in most games, he does eventually die, so. Yeah, but obviously it's a late game kind of thing. Uh, or if you got the shooting, you take it down really early. I think is the key. Yeah, like I played Lumen if they shot it off to him with the Sentinels. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's just the matchup, isn't it? They, they, that's what they do. <laughs> They're going to shoot something off anyway, anyway, regardless whether it's your uh, your harvester or it's going to be that. But um, I really like the list, and as we've already kind of talked about, it's proven, it works. So you you went four and one. You've mentioned that you probably wouldn't change it right now. However, when Stormcast drop and when <laughs> uh, when when Cruel Boys are really kind of post FAQ, it'd be interesting to see. You know, does this list need to change a little bit? You know, you talked a little bit about Null Myriad. Is this now a time to maybe reconsider Null Myriad or? Um, what are you going to do to kind of handle some maybe really high armor save, lots of mortal wounds, or shooting? I think mm. I, I don't know where they're going to swing either. I think I think Stormcast is the one that I'm worried about. You know, yeah. people talk about Stormcast a lot of dragons. Again, yeah. Will but will they do it? I think that's the question with Stormcast. Is like they talk about a lot about dragons, mm. but are they going to put down the cash, or are they just going to go up these two up, you know, um, uh, annihilator kind of builds? Interesting, because I think. Everyone's scared about dragons, but I think if they're about ninety pounds for two, right? I think if you're going to buy thirteen dragons, and you know the points adjustments are probably coming in post Christmas for them at some point, maybe the summer update, whenever that is, you're on borrowed time. So how much do you really want to invest, or do you just take four in a balanced Stormcast army and they still do great work, you know? Um, and you've not financially lost like four hundred pounds, or you know. And I know you guys; it's even more expensive for you guys over there. So I've already, I've already called by my bank for a second mortgage. Just, um, <laughs> but I think, like, I, I think, like if um, if we went down that route and they're just doing a lot of mortal wounds, I think there's a, a consideration to maybe look at some other options, and maybe the archai are a better option. Maybe there are other things that get you that five up ward save. Get you maybe it's a double goth as a harvester to keep more bodies on the board. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the lists are going to evolve over time, but. Um, is there any kind of final thoughts, James, before we kind of wrap things up? I know you got plenty of things to do on your Sunday. Um, <laughs> I thought it was rampaging, so I'm going to go and save my wife. Um, but I will, uh, no, just final thoughts is like I really enjoyed the army. I would, uh, you know, I know when three first dropped, OBR players were a little bit down because the FAQ wasn't where it should be, but then the studio team did a great effort and turned that around. I think the army's in a great place now. I think you can really enjoy it. But, you know, we we discussed Petrofix Elite, but as, as listed earlier, there's three or four hosts you could easily play. Um, so if you are a, an OBR hobbyist and you've got Catacrobus and you love Mortis Praetorians or you love Stalag Lords with all your, uh, your Death Riders, you can easily have great games of AOS 3. Um, and I would encourage everybody to to try variants in your army. My list is like people joking to a start, they're like, Jim, why have you taken like, loads of just random stuff? 
And I was like, it's, it might look random, but it all does stuff. Like, you know, and because you had a lot you had a better game experience. You had less heroes than I expected. A lot of people are throwing mm. lots of, and I've, I've talked about this in a lot of videos, and a lot of my guests have brought on over a thousand points or more put into their heroes because they're going hero yeah. hammer. Um, they're going up for all the armor saves, all the buffs. You've gone the opposite, and um, it's fascinating as well, just how you've kind of started thinking about it. But I guess to allow you to go and go work with your daughter, I'm going to write this up and ask people: <laughs> You have a different thought? If you disagree that James is is smoking something, that Null Myriad is still hot trash. If you think that Immol uh, Immortus, Immortus Guard or whatever it is, if you think there's some magic list tech that I'm missing because I certainly don't like them, um, I don't see their role, uh, let me know. All that comedy stuff, you know, help me with the YouTube algorithms. But more importantly, teach me something. Teach me maybe, I don't know, may maybe they are good. Maybe I'm just not seeing the forest from the trees. But for me, I think the Morgoth Harboring is a definitely a good option love the combinations i like that you haven't gone all mortec guard and you've gone in a little bit of death riders a little bit of this a little bit of that and it looks um, and cool hey, in the army as well and on the table it looks really good you get to paint loads of different kinds of models and as we said at the top of the show as well owen jackson went four and one at the exact same yeah. list and he had a nagash build so it's not like that was the one list that kind of rules them all you know there's already some lists kind of being successful did was would you remember if owen was um petrifix as well or did he go something other else i'm almost certain it was petrifix elite because yeah. if you run in the gash list he's so good in petrifix elite <laughs> yeah yeah i'm he's almost good. certain but hey Anyone who's listening to this and they are a uh, – anyone who thinks that, you know, Special K still has a place, prove me wrong. Put it in the comment section. But, <laughs> James, you are an absolute legend. If people want to oh, kind of talk you, to you, you are on Twitter. You're on Twitter. Links below. And is there anywhere that I can watch you or learn from you? Uh, maybe teach me a few things about OBR. <laughs> learn is a, is a subjective term when you watch me play. But – um. Yeah, uh, if you follow us on Just Play Wargaming on YouTube, our, our channel, we do battle reports over there. So if you're bored or you're painting along, you're painting your OBR, come and watch a battle report with us and just uh, leave us a note in the comments of all the things I'm doing wrong. <laughs> yeah, you guys are a lot of fun. Ian, Richie, the whole crew, uh, Tom, oh, like you, you guys are just, you guys are, you guys are great. So go check out um, Just Play, good podcast as well, good, good uh, content. It's been great. As well. It's been great to be on. So thank you so much for having me as well. It's been great. Um, and I actually look forward to coming out to Australia. I, want, I do want to play an event in Australia. Yeah. Oh, well, well, who knows when? Well, hopefully next year I'll be back over in England. Uh, maybe. Yeah, be awesome. We'd love to have you. I'd love to come back. I was there at Blood and Glory 2017, I think it was. Oh, cool. Um, so. Come I'll on come over. Back. Yeah. All right. I'm off. Have a good Sunday or whenever you're watching this and leave all the comments. Let me know if you are a Mortis I can't remember their name. Immortus Guard. Immortus big, Guard. That's, yeah. that's, I've forgotten <laughs> them. It's like trauma. It's like I've forgotten their name. It's just like. Uh, they're never right. seen. Don't worry. I don't see them. All right. Prove me wrong. See you, folks. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions 
who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.